0: guys, so we continue with our series on um, Hebrides 2.0. And last week we dealt with calling sons and daughters. And so again, every week I'll just have to recap for those who weren't here last week or the week before. This was a word given to us at the beginning of the year when we went to Stornoway off the coast of Scotland where in the 1950s there was a revival called the Hebrides Revival felt God saying that this is what I want to do again on earth. I want to ignite it through you guys. And here is a promise I give you for the young in particular, between the ages of maybe 14 and 40. And this is what I'm planning to do amongst them. And so um, this was a promise given, and that's why it's called Hebrides 2.0, because it happened on the island of Hebrides off the coast of Scotland 50 years ago, and God will do it again. And so here was the promise given. I am going to send a purifying fire. I'm sending a purifying fire from heaven that will burn up all religious and historical junk. I will come into this revival upon the earth as the divine warrior. And as the divine warrior marches, I will deliver young men and women from nations into the kingdom. And I'll call them to myself as sons and daughters and invite them into the circle of dancing, abundance and joy before the lion and the lamb. And they will become a torch bearing generation that goes forth and will not return home empty. That is a promise given. And so we've been been working our way down from purifying fire. And today, uh, last week we did calling sons and daughters. And today we are doing into that circle of dancing, abundance and joy, into that circle of dancing, abundance, and joy. So if you want a title, it'll be Circle of Abundance. That's where we're going today. Such odd words, eh? That I'm calling sons and daughters into a circle of abundance, dancing, dancing, abundance, and joy. And so, um, the reason we need to study this is so that we know what he is planning to do and what he would like us to become. And one of the things when it comes to dancing abundance and joy is you can't call people to come and see um, what you don't have. You can't call people to come and see what you don't have. Jesus would, uh, in, uh, in um, um, John chapter 1 verse 39, uh, some disciples keep following Jesus Quietly and then Jesus spots them and he says, what do you want? And they say, we want to see where you live. And he says, come, come with me and see where I live. Because he wanted them to see how he actually is. In John 1:46, he again uses the word come and see. In Matthew 11 verse 4 and 5, John's uh, disciples, John the Baptist's disciples come to him and they say, are you the real deal? And Jesus says, listen. Go tell John what you see and hear. Tell him that the dead are being raised, that the lepers are being healed, that demons are being cast out, the blind can see, the sick are healed. Go tell him that. And for God it is important that the young that are coming in will step, will have a circle of dancing, abundance, and joy to step into. Why do you think it's important to him? Hi, dear. Why do you think it's important to him? Why can't he just leave this bit alone? What is the opposite of this? Standing still. Lack of insufficiency. I mean, you're not talking about money, please. And uh, neither joy nor happiness nor sadness. That would be the opposite. We don't think this is important because we come from different cultures, different uh, backgrounds, different setups. We come with two left feet and we're not focusing on dancing. Please don't think the sermon is about dancing. But God wants to create on earth for what he's about to do with the young. He wants to create on earth an atmosphere or or a circle into which He can invite the young, but it must be a circle of dancing of abundance and joy. And you must ask the question, why? Why? Because if you can answer why, it doesn't leave you much of a choice. Why does he want this? It's not a rhetorical question. Feel free to respond. Why does he want this? What else? Why is this important to him? I think it shows what God's argument towards people. It says, like I rejoice over you, I dance over you, I show you abundance, I show you joy. Yep. Yeah. Those are actual scriptures. Why What else? Why? Yeah, man. He is a blooming, happy God and by blooming i'm adding that because it really blooms he is a happy god he is a joyful god it is it is the essence of his nature this is who he is he's inviting people into his nature this does not please please don't uh, equate oh so if i don't dance then i don't display the nature of god no That is not what is being said here. Jumping doesn't display the nature of God. I can be highly irritated with you while jumping. My God, I don't like Mike at all. See? (laughs) So jumping doesn't convey anything. It's not jumping, but, but we're talking about something called expression. That we'll touch soon. But you need to understand why God insists that what he's building is a circle of Abundance, dancing, and joy because it is his nature. Therefore, you don't have a choice. Therefore, I don't have a choice. We have a choice, but we don't have a right. We always have a choice, but we don't have the right to resist it. What do you do when you don't have the right to resist it? You keep moving into what God wants. It does not happen overnight but you keep moving into what God wants. What does resistance look like when you decide that you will not move into God want, what God wants or you will decide when you will move into it? That is resistance. Resistance is not, I haven't, I haven't gotten there yet. Resistance is not, I'm slow in getting there. Resistance is when you decide you will not or decide that you will choose when to. That is resistance. This is what he is planning to do. For us to revive the earth, the joy of the Lord must infect and then go viral. For us to revive the earth, the joy of the Lord must infect and then go viral. It's not that you will not have sorrows. It is not that you will not have trials and difficult situations. It is that this is essential to us because this is the essence of who he is. The ultimate, John Piper said this, the ultimate intent of God in all his creation is joy. The ultimate intent of God in all his creation is joy. That's why he created. That's why every evening he'd put his feet up on a chair in heaven and he'd say, "Hmm, it is good. And then when seven days was finished and he made man, he said, this is really good. The ultimate intent of God in all his works is joy. And if that doesn't become my essence, if lamenting, if woe is complaining, bitterness, gossip, slander, finding things about people that can fuel my bitterness, if that is where I'm living, then you are a weak Christian because the joy is... Whenever joy is absent, weakness is absolute. Let me say that again: whenever joy is absent, weakness is absolute. Any questions? Any comments? Any Anyone? Yeah. Um, Mourning is not the absence of the joy that you have in the one who gives you hope. So I can stand over my dad who is dead and is cold and look at him and weep and then know that because he made the choice, I will see him again, he will see me again. In every situation on earth, where there is mourning, or sorrow, or pain, or tears. Because of Christ, there is always joy breaking through. We don't know how to find it. And we are surrounded by people who fuel the mourning. But what if we were surrounded by people that are able to bring in glimmers of joy in every sad situation? What do you think the prophetic does? The prophetic allows us to grasp joy that is at the end. What is the book of Revelation about? That in this darkness there is a time coming. What is Jesus' intent on earth? Guys, I am making all things new. So in every darkness, in every sorrow, there is, especially for believers, there is joy. And for unbelievers, there is us bringers of joy, carriers of joy. Those stories that Bob was talking about, they all bring joy. We are distributors, delivery mechanisms of heaven. We are delivery boys and girls for heaven, distributing what heaven has. One of the things you will never find in heaven is the opposite of joy. It is known for that. And it is missing in the church. We don't have the right. We don't have the right. We have the choice, but we don't have the right. All enjoyment must. I mean, you know this from just life. All enjoyment. All enjoyment spontaneously overflows. Who's doing Sunday school today? And? Wow! They seem quite joyful there. All enjoyment spontaneously overflows into expression. All enjoyment spontaneously overflows into expression. Lovers express their love. Readers express delight when they read a story or read a poem. Players express delight over a goal. Fans express over their club. Um, And it's almost rarely, rarely is it, rarely is joy a planned well thought out emotion. It's almost always got spontaneity at its root. How it is expressed may differ, but it is always from a place which just erupts. That's something we need to realize. And if, if If expression is something that we have been taught to hide, then we will have to learn how to grow in it. But how you express it differs. My expression of joy cannot become the standard. And when a person's expression of joy becomes the standard, then everybody else has to now use that as a measure of expression. And that is wrong. That is when you now force something on, saying, if you don't jump, you're not joyful. If you don't dance, you're not joyful. If you don't go ha-ha-ha, you're not joyful. I went to a church where they did that. The guy who said, we need to be joyful. And I'm sitting in the front row, So and they have cameras. <laughs> not, not like this. This, we have only one camera. There, they have cameras everywhere. And so the guy says, we have to be joyful now. And the whole church cheers. And I thought it will stop there. Then he says, say after me. And then he says, ha, ha, ha. And every goes, everyone goes, ha, ha, ha. Ha, 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 ha. is <laughs> laughing. And so, that was their way of joy. So, it became a standard. And I'm thinking about the, like, Because the camera was on my face, I also had to go, ha, ha, ha. Because so, <laughs> I was one of the speakers, right? So you have to be joyful. But... You can't enforce a measure of joyfulness. That is when your standard becomes everybody's standard. But expression must be there. And if expression is not there, then you need to begin to ask God to bring wholeness into your life. You need to begin to ask God to bring wholeness into your life because I need healing. And God begins the process. Sometimes an expression is a sigh. Sometimes it's laughter. Sometimes it's your feet tapping. Sometimes it's dancing. But joy is expressed. God is saying, I want to create a circle. I mean, look at your children. You know when they're joyful, don't you? We know it every Sunday. Those kids just don't know how to be sad for a while. Any questions? Push back if you think this is not true or not biblical, or not godly, or out of the nature of God, because we are made in the image of God. Our cultures, our, the nations we come from, our upbringing, some of the trauma we've been through, it does affect the expression of joy, but we have a healer. What we cannot do is hide behind those things saying, but this is who I have become, change. Why? Because there is a God who's saying, I want to create a circle of abundance, dancing, and joy so that I can invite others into the circle so that they don't have to go through what you went through. Let them see me in essence as a God who is joyful right off the bat. Questions, comments, pushback, disagreements? People want to change that and they don't know how. Uh, the, I think everything starts with an admission that I have a problem. Everything starts with an admission that I do have a problem in this area. And if, if that is not there, then there is no moving forward. So that would be the first step, Father. I got a problem." And then, it's even better when you have the ability to go to someone else and say, I did talk, about the father, talk to the father about this, and I just want you to also know that I have a problem. Now it's out in the open, it's no longer hidden. As long as it's hidden, nobody needs to know, and nobody measures your progress. Once you bring it out in the light, now someone else knows. As long as no one knows, no one needs to measure. You don't need to measure either. But once someone says it, now there's a problem. The second thing then is, oh God, can you begin the process of healing? Heal me. How when you ask God to heal you, he will send situations, peoples, (sighs) scriptures, dreams, dreams miracles in your heart to change. you. He'll use any of these methods. He'll use just His Holy Spirit to cause to rise in you. I've seen guys who've jumped on pianos and started dancing. Thank God they were light. Can you imagine doing that in the studio at, uh, at uh, Sheldon studio? That'll be one expensive dance. Yeah. what happened, oh Steinbeck, what happened a guy got affected by the Holy Spirit yeah. and so uh, not Steinbeck, Steinway, sorry um, um, so uh, God he will either do a miracle or, or, or he'll give you a key that is a, uh, or he'll give you a scripture that is a key or he'll send someone that's why we have parents what do you think parents do with their kids bring them from mourning to laughter take away their owie Or whatever you call it now. And then make it go away. And the kid is back to normal. He'll do different things, but he will bring you back. But the first thing is an admission. If I do not admit, I do not have a starting point. God is able to do this, man. Psalm 31, verse 20 or 21. Oh God, you are the one who turns my wailing into dancing my morning into dancing, and then you give me songs. Oh God, you are the one who saw me in the miry pit, but you put a song on my lips. God does this, and he uses all these methods to do it. And whatever is not working in my life is what I need to focus on. One of the problems with Christians is we hone in on our strengths. What's the point of developing an arm that is already bicep? Hone in on something else. No, I'm not looking at you, Jordan. greater your satisfaction the, 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 these will these will prevent us these statements will prevent us from hiding the greater your satisfaction with something the greater your joy the greater your expression The greater your satisfaction, the greater your joy, the greater your expression. In anything, I'm not talking about God now, in anything, the greater my satisfaction with something, "Mm, that is so good. Greater your joy, greater your expression. Oh my God, that tasted so good. I'm just imagining things and responding, yeah? In case you were wondering what it was, yeah. I mean, I'll be sitting alone and there'll be this amazing goal that someone who's not even a Canucks goes, and I'll go, whoa, how does that happen? Where does that come from? What does whoa even mean? Expression can take any form. In fact, it is so odd that in Romans 8 it says, God even knows your groanings and your sighs. Sometimes without words, God is already understanding it. I am so glad for the demand that God puts on us. So when it comes to scriptures and God, some of the ways that expressions I uh, talked about in scriptures is laughter, song, dance in fact dancing and singing were some of the foremost ways of joy you can look at Psalm 30 verse 11 and 12 which I just read Uh, Jeremiah 31 verse 4 verse uh, 11 and 12 or 11 to 13, Jeremiah 31 and then in uh, Lamentations 5 5, it actually is a reverse it says and then my dancing and my singing was taken away when I was sorrowful And so it is this idea of, when it comes to expression, some of the ways a congregation expresses joy is through these methods. We cannot avoid it. We have to create this for others to come and find it normative. It's not my thing, true, but it is God's thing. This doesn't mean all of us have to become uniform and do the same thing it just means that this is something we do not resist david tried two different times to bring the ark into jerusalem first it was first samuel 6 sorry second uh, samuel 6 he tries to bring the ark into jerusalem but that was the second time. The first time he tries it in 1 Chronicles 15. Both times he came with dancing, but in the first time it brought death. The second time it brought life. So just because there's laughter and dancing and song, doesn't necessarily mean it aligns with the intents of God. The first time he came with dancing, you know what happened. Uzzah and Ahio were frizzled. The second time he comes with dancing, there's protocol to even the Expression that we have as a congregation, and then the, here's the other thing: when David danced or when Miriam danced, you'll find in David's dance in uh, Second Chronicle, sorry, for, uh, Second Samuel six, you'll find that he's leading a procession of about thirty thousand men, and he is an extension of the entire congregation. We don't do these things alone. When we come together as a congregation, we do this together. You stand and you're not doing your own thing before God. You are an extension for the entire church. So when Eli and I stand there or when Jordan stands here or when Bishop stands here and sings, you must see yourself as I am an extension of this entire congregation. To think that you are part of a music team is an anathema. When he drums, if he thinks he's a drummer on a music team, it is not the way this functions. When Miriam begins to sing, she is leading all of Israel in the song of Moses and the song of Israel, given by God for an entire congregation. When we sing, I know he rescued my soul, and I start jumping here, I'm not jumping for my own. I'm jumping so that I can be someone who on one hand leads the congregation in action like Miriam did or like David did. And I'm doing it not for my sake because it's clumsy, I don't jump high, I carry a lot of weight, I run out of breath, but I will still do it for one reason alone. Because one, I must lead the congregation. And two, I must be an extension of all your thinking and doing. Even if you don't do it, well then I'll represent you. Do you know what happens when people begin to think like that? That it might be difficult right now for you to raise your elbows. It might be difficult for you right now to move your feet. It might be difficult for you right now to look foolish. But let me do it for you. and then two people do it, and four people do it, six people do it, ten people do it, we have a circle. We never do this for ourselves. Any instrument that plays here, that plays for itself, any singer that is up here, that sings for themselves, is not to be there. Not in the the sense of the congregation. If you're singing alone to the Lord, sing away. And there is protocol. And we'll get it wrong. And we'll mess up. So what? We'll get it right the next time. He doesn't send bolts of lightning anyways nowadays. Not the kind that will frizzle you. That's, that's a wrap on him. Um, that's not what he was trying to do there. What is the difference between David bringing in the ark the first time with dancing and two people dying, and David bringing in the ark the second time with dancing and everyone full of life? The difference was one was enthusiastic and uninformed, ignorant of the holy. One was enthusiastic. One was enthusiastic but uninformed and was ignorant of the holy. I'm just gonna call it the holy instead of the holiness of God. The second one was scripturally informed. As in, you do not bring the ark on a cart. You do not take on the ways of the Philistines. You carry it on your shoulders. There is protocol to what God wants to do. He is holy. And so the second one was scripturally or biblically informed. And it had the correct approach to holy. In all our expressions, even though they are spontaneous, we, because we follow a God of order who lives in us, a God who is holy, we know this. And if we get it wrong, we can fix it tomorrow. My God, we have to create this circle. When you begin to walk in this, walk on behalf of others. Any questions on any of this? Yeah Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I give you my word, every time I change a song, or every time she has a set of songs and she changes a song. When I do it, I'll tell you why I do it, because I know that the Holy Spirit wants to take the congregation somewhere else. Or somewhere that I did not know. It is never because, huh, this feels like the right song. Or let's do one of my favorites. Never. Never. Oh, that would be so self-serving. So my God and me. He teaches you a prayer. And he doesn't say, my Father who art in heaven. He says, our Father who art in heaven. Any other questions? And it's not a duty. Huh? It's not some worship ritual. I mean, um, Don and Kezia just celebrated their wedding anniversary. What if Kezia, in the middle of dinner, said, Why are you doing this, Don? And Don says, It's my duty. <laughs> That's it. That's the end of that at night. You might as well go. Talk to your cat, yeah. But his response is, this is my delight, this is my joy, this is my honor. I couldn't think of anything better to do. This expression of joy is like that. It is, it is something, uh, it, it is enjoyment that then begins to express itself. And it is odd that we sometimes lack it, and we don't step into it because... We are not accustomed to it. And you can express it any which way you want. It could just be song A, please don't think, like I said, please don't equate this to, oh, so are you saying we all have to dance and jump? No. I'm just saying that expressionless is wrong. Is wrong. You were not made like that. because we come from different cultures there will be different styles Eh? sometimes it will be spontaneous sometimes it won't that's okay I'm taking away any excuse we have of resisting this how shall we honor God in worship and I'm not even saying in a service how do you honor God whether you're with two people or yourself or you're in a congregation how do you honor God in worship by enjoying him by enjoying him by enjoying him you must come with this attitude every time you are about to worship, and worship is not just songs. Worship is not music, but let's take anybody. You know what worship means. Word script, as in, uh, here is someone. The the, the the picture of worship, the actual picture of the word worship, is a dog that sees its master return home and begins to just jump and run around and go around in circles because he can smell his master at a distance. And do you notice cats don't do that? But that's a side point. And the dog begins to run around and jump up and down because he can smell the master at a distance. And he smells the master at a distance, and that is the very expression of worship. And so it requires that be you with a person or be you with God. One of the reasons God gave us relationships on earth is so that we can understand how to approach him. But he did not find a companion that was suitable for Adam. So he created one, specially made. So that intimacy and companionship may be something real on earth. So that we can transfer it into the spiritual. So that he can rewrite Ephesians 5, 25 to 30 later. And say, as a bridegroom is with his bride. So that he can write song of songs and describe what it is to be in a relationship. And so the intent is, in any such place where there is um, worship, there must be an enjoying of him. So the question is, is that how we enter any time of worship? Do you come with the intent? Aha! I'm gathering together with people and my intent is to enjoy him with others today. That's a church that looks forward. That doesn't need a music team. If music brings me joy, then bring your AirPods with you. because it'll be better than most of the stuff we do here on our best day. But then, first we enjoy Him. By enjoying Him, that's the first thing. And then what do we do? We try, try, because all of us are in this place of trying. We try and let our delight overflow. Do you notice how sometimes my handwriting gets really clean? And then suddenly something happens. By enjoying him. Second, try and let our delight overflow. Third, spontaneous expression. When it overflows, that's when spontaneous expression happens. Spontaneous expression happens. To an extent, delight is incomplete if not expressed. It's not that you don't delight, but the expression of delight completes it. The expression of delight completes it the expression of delight completes it. Do not measure yourself by someone else's standard. Please, please don't. Please don't. Sometimes when I go to Kenya and I see them praising and worshipping, I try for about three minutes and then I'm out of breath, man. I try and they go on for 25, 30, 35 minutes and I sit down. Even to do the, oh, I try, but it doesn't hit the high note. At some point it goes, oh, just not. So all to say, we are not supposed to try and meet a measure, but we have to keep pushing, keep pushing, keep pushing so that others can follow. Come on, man, we are supposed to open the way for others. Get out of your s- invalid excuses. Stop it. But what, Jacob, what if I'm not feeling like it today? Well, next Sunday you better feel it. Yes. 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 Yeah. Yeah. So um, you're very right, uh, Jill. And I'm not trying to just agree with you so that you feel good. But um, here's the thing. Um, this is you or me and there is something in us called Christ the hope of splendor power laughter presence weight magnificence majesty so we have that And then, there are times when, in our heart, we feel bad, sad, hurt, offended, depressed, funked. Funked is an old word. Um, It's odd, uh, funk is like a dull thing, but funky is groovy. Like I was in New York, and they started playing that song. Won't you take me to too? Come on, Mike. I thought you would groove to that. (laughs) I was doing it just for you. (laughs) Okay, so this is what happens. All these things are real in our lives. They do affect our heart. But somewhere inside is this. The reason the sacrifice of praise becomes a joyful fountain is because the sacrifice of praise must tap into this. What happened with the Pentecostal or charismatic movement and praise is they said, just keep praising, keep praising, keep praising if you're not feeling good. And then eventually if you keep praising, you'll feel good. No, the intent was, can you begin to praise and give the sacrifice of praise and reach deep down into where Christ dwells? So that his magnificence, power, laughter, weight, splendor, majesty begins to rise up in you. The sacrifice of praise should quickly change into a willing sacrifice. A joyous sacrifice. And when it doesn't, we are stuck in a a way of praise. That's the difference. The praise was supposed to break through the sadness, the badness, the um, hurt that I'm feeling, which is very real, which, is, which grabs my heart. My heart is supposed to be a little closer to my sternum. This is not where my heart is. This is where my lungs are. And so, so my heart begins to feel that tightness of sadness and all this stuff. And then there is Christ who lives here. And then... In my sacrifice, it is he who begins to arise. And my heart begins to now feel free from the, from the grip of the hurt and the sadness. And now I go from the sacrifice of praise to, oh my God, I'll do cartwheels of joy because I am right there in Malachi chapter 4. Malachi chapter, uh, Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 17 to 19. Now it's no longer a sacrifice. Though the fig tree shall not blossom, though there be no olives on the... Thing I will do, cartwheels of joy. Now it's no longer sacrifice. You never sacrifice cartwheels of joy. So that's how it works. Uh, One oh eight. We won't finish it, so I'll kind of stop. I wanted to talk about abundance. We'll talk about that next week. Abundance is not having a lot of money. Abundance is the abundance of love. Abundance is the abundance of expectation. Abundance is the abundance of hope and peace. Abundance is great generosity. Abundance is so many other things. And only a small part of it is having no lack. But we'll talk about that next time. Let me just conclude with the um, joy and the dance. In a revival, joy is not a mere option. In a revival, joy is not a mere option. It is a gift from God. And it is is an essential component of revivals. In a revival, joy is not a mere option. It's not like, it'll be good if you're joyful. No, the nearness of God. That's what revivals are. In the nearness of his presence, if there is no fullness of joy then there is something wrong. Psalm 16, says, In your presence is fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. Well, what words, eh? Which God uses words like that? In my presence is fullness of joy, as in no limit, overflowing. Fullness is not getting to the top of the cup. It's not, it's not getting till here. Fullness is always overflowing. And he says, in my presence, in my presence, Jacob, is fullness of joy. And then he adds, and pleasures forevermore. Pleasures are things you really, really enjoy. So, what's missing? Do you enjoy your wife? In her presence, are you full with gladness and joy? Most of the time. (laughs) Okay? No, really, most of the time you are. I've watched you both. Is she someone who delights your heart and brings you pleasure? Does your heart sing when she's with you? We were given physical relationships so that we may understand the depth of this. And then we are supposed to take that And say, oh God, can you make this real between you and I? Because you are more real than the physical person next to me. And we haven't plumbed that. And we're not aware of that. What is missing? Can I put on your tombstone? Here lies a joyful person. Or will I be lying? Because joy is expressed. Can I put that on your grave? Or I'll have to put here lies a joyful person, but I never knew it kind of a thing. Or didn't see it. God is not, here's another thing. Uh, this is so important, eh? God is, this is not my line, it's uh, some famous person's line. God is not worshipped where he is not treasured. It's either Tozer or Piper. He is not treasured. God is not worshipped where he is not treasured. And enjoyed. God is not worshipped where he is not treasured and enjoyed. And This is not Tozer or Piper, it's Jacoba. Others must see the pleasure. Others must see in you the pleasure to be had in him beautifully. Others must see in you the pleasure to be had in him. So sometimes when I'm unable to worship, I must question this. Because there might be days when Don might be really sad and uh, things didn't go well at work. Um, He met a bear when he was walking in Vernon. Uh, He is super hungry, super sleepy. And then, just when he's feeling all that stuff, along comes Keziah. And suddenly, he seems okay. God is not worshipped where he's not treasured and enjoyed. And Sometimes when we struggle with worship, it is not the music. It's not that you've had a bad day. You're not able to locate the treasure. And you have not learned how to enjoy it. And it happens to all of us. and where he's treasured, and where he's enjoyed, even if the expression is a sigh or an imaginary hug, it'll begin to grow. Two more points. Ah, Psalm 63, verse 5 to 7. It's such a cool scripture. Psalm 63. You know, C.S. Lewis used to say that he used to read the Psalms so that he can begin to have the same delight that made David dance. What a reason to read Psalms. Psalm 63, verse 5 to 7. But before I say that, I mean, when you read the verses, it's so beautiful. It it talks about the depth to which you can enjoy God. But uh, the way David describes it. But here again what C.S. Lewis said. I read the Psalms so that I might discover the delight that made David danced. And then you see why he can say that because in Psalm 63 verse 5 to 7 it says, My soul is feasted with marrow and fat and my mouth praises you with joyful lips when I think of you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. What kind of love is this? My soul is feasted on the marrow and the fat, O oh God, of you. And as I lie on my bed and I meditate, I begin to praise. We were made like this, guys. Shred, shrug off your denominational upbringing, your national upbringing, your traditional upbringing, your church upbringing. Your parental upbringing, your home upbringing, shrug it off, shred it off, because primarily you were made differently. And then there are times when someone can be so depressed because of great sadness, great trauma, great trouble, that it seems impossible. At that time, let someone pick you up. Because there are times, please, let's not, let's not. Pretend that it doesn't exist. There can be times where even the best of people like Elijah go into such deep places of feeling sad and depressed and forlorn that it is impossible for them to even whisper a word. I beg you when times like that happen as soon as you see it happening call someone who you trust and say I'm going down this deep hole please help me. Because there are times when nothing will come out of it. It It's such a dark hole. David probably experienced that. He talks about it in Psalm 139. Or in Psalm 42 and 43. Listen to his cry. Why are you so sad, my soul? Why so depressed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise you. And times like that, call someone you trust. Don't call the best guy in the church. Or the best girl in the church they may not be able to help you. Call someone you trust. Call someone who knows how to walk like this. Don't call your best friend, because your best friend probably might be as bad as you. Call someone who is not the best at it, but walks like this, whom you can trust. And when you call them, you can now lean on them and let them sing for you. Let them sing for you. And it will begin to release things in your heart. Saul's advisors knew this. Saul is being tormented. Saul is feeling like everything is lost and done. And his advisors say, but there's a small boy, there's a young boy, not small boy, young boy, ruddy, complexioned, plays the harp, ask him to come. And he begins to play. Feast, man on the marrow and the fat, eh? Because what is worship if it is not banqueting on God's glory? Father, we as a church come and we so want this. As I look around this church while I was teaching, I know that at present, the Spirit of God in this church is stirring us up. Everybody here wants this. We don't know how to get there. We are scared of what we'll have to let go of. Just the thought of freedom frightens us. It's very odd. We like freedom. But sometimes being invited into your kind of freedom is frightening. Because it's a loss of everything I can hide behind. Every security blanket. Everything I can protect myself with. Everything that will keep me from being transparent. It'll go away. And it frightens us, oh God. But if you, oh God, want this circle of abundance, dancing, and joy, then you will have to help us because we long for it, but we are so scared of it. We don't want it to be hysterical, dramatic, emotional only because we saw what happened to David. But I want to represent someone else. They want to represent me and someone else. Till this church becomes a circle of abundance, dancing, and joy, oh God. Grant it, Father, Father. Granted, oh God, only you can do this work. Bob Crown stood here and said that he was there at the beginning of the church and he sees how far it's come. Once more, once more, Lord, once more do it again. Bring us to a place where we become a circle of abundance, joy, and dancing so that others can come in, sons and daughters that you're calling from the nations into the kingdom, can come and say, Ah, found a place where freedom. Please, Jesus, it's the cry of our heart. It's not the cry of my heart. I know that the Spirit of God is here, stirring up every heart here. It doesn't matter whether it's new or old. It is happening in this room. We long for it, Jesus. So we come begging you for it. A little bit of jumping won't do this. It's something that happens in our heart. Do this, Lord, we pray. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Bless you guys. Uh, Sue had sent me a list of guys who will be up here for prayer. Sue had to go to a funeral, so she's not here. Um, It is Heidi, Joan, Brandon, James. Feel free to come up and pray. Feel free to come up and they'll pray for you. Otherwise, uh, yeah, have a joyful week. eh?
1: Just to make the joy greater, since we talked about joy... Uh, we know, it's Jacob's birthday tomorrow. What?
0: You know how small and, I am on birthday. Please, please, don't, don't,
1: please. <laughs> and it's not a round number. It's like a three-quarter kind of a number. Oh so my I don't Lord. even know why we mention it. But anyways, um, we, um, we have a cake downstairs.
0: No, you didn't. Yes. How could you guys?
1: Actually, actually, the cake was meant for Bob. <laughs> oh, Really? <laughs> Just kidding, the cake. The cake was meant for Bob and Jacob. Thank but God Bob he left. left. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you can get his piece too. Sure. <laughs> so we'll uh, have a cake downstairs so you can all join. and. Um,
0: oh, you shouldn't have.
1: Oh, there's a little um, video thing for your birthday from people who oh, want to.
0: Oh shucks, that's actually a surprise. Say something. The rest of it I kind of expected, eh? (laughs)